Pods proudly presents Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of Garrett Teitelbaum. It's nice to see he's working. Episode 184. Joining me on the podcast for the second time, Mr. Terry Jones. What's going on, Garrett? Not Thanks for having much. me back. I'm excited, man. Absolutely. We had, you, we had you here on the one-year anniversary or right around the one-year anniversary of Chapter 1, Limbo Negro. Oh, yeah, for the first comedy album. And now, heading into November, this will come out the first week of November, you are slated to finish the trilogy and do yes. the Afro Bebop Chapter 3. Yes, yeah. I'm excited. Uh Comedy album number three. You know what? I There was something that I wanted to address because a lot of people brought up Limbo Negro. And we did this a few years ago. And it's interesting, man, just seeing how your life changes within that that time frame. Oh, for sure. Like, there's been so many changes in my life. And I was in, like, such a, a, a dark place at that time, too. With the first taping? Yeah, yeah, just the first album. So, there were, <laughs> I was talking to... Um, my woman about it and she was listening to it because she never listened to it. You know, oh, we, sure. We, it was before you got yeah, together. We, we, yeah. We just got together. So she was like, uh, she's like, I was listening to limbo Negro and it wasn't as good as the, the, you know, the other one comedy. She's, cool. like, she's like, you're Chapter so, two. you're just so much better now as a comic because you know, she comes to the live shows and stuff. And then she was listening to that. So she was comparing it. And the crazy thing about it, cause a bunch of people have brought this up about the album there were so many bad things that were happening during that time with that album. Sure. That the fact that it even came out is insane. That's a testament to just, just making sure that it was going to get started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the hard part about it, ironically, Limbo Negro Limbo is a part of hell. Um, according Purgatory, to Dante Alighieri. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, that's where like all the, uh, unbaptized babies would go to limbo and the philosophers like Socrates and they're like, they live in limbo. Sure. They're not burning in hell. They just live in this place where, Hey, we're still alive, but we're not in heaven. We're not really in a good spot. And in the Bible, Jesus even goes to limbo at okay. some point after he dies on the during crucifix. those three days. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, um, it was ironic that this was supposed to be, me talking about things that tormented me is my version of hell because the trilogy like Dante Alighieri is supposed to be uh hell purgatory heaven. Sure. So that makes sense. <laughs> Limbo Negro, everything was going wrong. I, I booked um, the comedy club when I did John Lovitz from SNL bumped me. So I had a Thursday night show that would have literally had 400 people there. Yeah. Is a 400 one nighter. I was like, this is going to be great. It's going to be a one, one shot, one kill. It'll, it'll sound amazing. Right. Right. I get bumped. I go, Hey, is there something we could do about this? I already have all these people. I'm my, my whole game plan. My producers, yeah. everybody's lined up. I'm like, I got, I, you know, there's money coming in here. Yeah. They're like, no, John Lovitz doesn't want to do Sunday. So he wants your Thursday now. So at this point, it's national they, making the calls. It's not anybody. Yeah. They can't, they're kind of out of their control. Exactly. There's nothing that, that could be done because his agency is so big and I'm this small fry. So I, I even reached out to people behind the scenes that were higher up sure. in that corporate area. And they were like, mm, his agency's too, too yeah. strong. We booked too many of those clients. They didn't want to cause any issues. So they, they took 
60 people on a Thursday that would have been my show. Okay. They took 60 people instead of taking the 400 that I would have had. Been able to draw on a normal time. Exactly. Yeah. So they said you only have a choice of splitting this. So I embarrassingly had to go on the internet and tell people that it was, I was bumped and to ask them what shows would you come to? So people were upset. So now I say, Hey, can I get a 10 o'clock Thursday show? Which is ridiculous. No one's yeah. Who's coming to a 10 PM Thursday. show? Right. I, I was blessed with a hundred people to come to that show. A hundred people came to it. Sure. Sunday, 250. So now the recording sounds awkward, uneven because it is uneven. Sure. So a lot of people don't know that it's literally that, you know, there are edits where one track is from the Thursday show because that bit hit hard on Thursday. Yeah. And then there's a bit from Sunday being put in. So you hear uneven laughs and unevenness in the performance, everything about it doesn't flow properly. Sure. It's like a compilation comedy <laughs> album. It sucked. So, uh, you know, I was proud of it. I was happy. I was so upset because I didn't, you know, they they didn't put me on the, the right poster. I you, so you address it at the beginning of the special. Yeah, like. yeah. So they, they didn't yeah. put they didn't put the right person on the, the poster. They put Clark Jones on there. Uh, <laughs> shout out to Clark, <laughs> who's a, a Chicago, New York City comic. They just Google. Yeah, they just Google black comic, comedy. last name Jones, and then here comes Clark. So then they don't even <laughs> fix the poster, and no poster goes up to even let people know what's going on. Sure. Nothing's adjusted properly. I'm literally getting my name changed on the marquee when I'm walking into while my people show. are there. Yeah. And it's like, that's not helping. No. Like I got fucked over so bad with that, that first album. I had to pay for two recordings instead of one. I end up losing money because the deal that I had at the door, I would have made at least close to a good chunk to help cover the cost of the oh, album. It, it yeah. would have been close to, I don't mess in it. It would have been close to like three grand. Sure. So that's what the door deal that I had and the way I had to set up with that many people coming in. If there was a bonus, it probably would have been more, but then I barely had enough to use for like to pay for groceries <laughs> and I had to pay out all the comics that were on the show. Of course. And then I had to pay for two recordings. So, and the editing. So I ended up losing money. Yeah, I made I made some money off of the album. Don't I know it's wrong. been streaming. It's doing yeah, not yeah. that there's a ton of money in streaming yeah, nickels so and dimes here and it there, is. but yeah. So that album was like it was a bad experience. Then I had people the energy that people had was just like kind of negative because people didn't know what they were coming to. They didn't understand a concept. The audience um, themselves. Yeah, yeah. Some people just didn't understand a concept. So there was all the this like negative backlash about it where People were like, well, why didn't well, it was a little too racial and it was a little too this and it was a little. And I was just like, all right, people didn't get the concept here yeah. in Pittsburgh. So what I ended up doing was the second album, Comedy Ghoul wasn't even really supposed to be a thing. But at the time I was influenced by this anime, Tokyo Ghoul, and I was watching it and I related to the character uh, Ken Kaneki. And I was like, yo, that'd be like a cool photo shoot just to have fun yeah so i did it with a model i represent erica and we do this photo shoot and then i go hmm 
this this might I'm gonna hold on to these. This might end up being something. I like this shoot. I think I can repurpose it yeah, for yeah, for the or record. Yeah, right. And then uh, Dom, who produced the first album, goes, "Hey, you're gonna be at Comtra Theater performing. I want to use you as a test to see how it sounds. Sure. So we'll test record it." I said, "Dude, I just got back from Canada. I'm." Like on fire. I feel good about I what I'm working on. I feel good about everything. I said, yo, let's just record the album at Comtra instead of me trying to put together a recording and go through. You've already dealt with the, let me try to build the perfect night. Exactly. At this point, just get just, a good set on tape set. and feel like that's, I was just up there for their, um, for Tim Ross's album taping. Yeah. It's a great, I've gotten to perform there before, but it's such a cool space for an audience to be able to be in the round yeah. and you as a comedian to get to like work multiple angles, it forces you to slow down a little bit. Exactly. I really like that space. Oh, yo, the venue is beautiful. And Day and Ed just put on good shows no matter where they, they are. They always do. I love Day and Ed and, uh, Ed Bailey and Dave Bracey for those listening. And you know, it's one of those things where I'm sitting there. And I go, let's just record the album there. He goes, okay. So um, Leslie was on the show, woman from uh, the Midwest. Leslie Battle? Yeah. Okay, nice. Leslie Battle. Yeah. I love Leslie. She's great. And um, she just happened to be on the show and everything was cool. And it was sold out. So everything was just working in my storm. favor. Now you're like. The first show was sold out. I said, we'll record the second one just to see what happens. If there's little bits and pieces from the second one. There wasn't that many people that showed up, like a couple family members. Yeah, the late like, show there, you never know. Yeah, but that first show, you hit it. I didn't care. I was like, this is it. I got to go hard. And somebody had talked to me a little bit before, and they said, you have to unlearn everything that you've learned in order to succeed. So you have to kind of recreate yourself. Okay. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going and prepare differently this time. And it just flowed. And Comedy Ghoul ended up, the numbers outdid Limbo Negro. Nice. And it's been out less years than Limbo Negro. Yeah, like sure. It's killed. Chapter two. Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, it was interesting because it, it hit perfectly for what I was trying to do with the trilogy. And I was like, okay, well, this was God's way of saying, no, Afro Bebop is going to be your heaven. And let's go from there. So a lot of people didn't realize how much went into creating the comedy albums. Because sure. when you promote, I'm doing the album recording, you have people that come in. And those people love you and they support you. And it's kind of a comfort zone. Yeah. So with this new album, I said, let me go outside of my comfort zone because my comfort zone is, you know, where, you know, it's a safe space where you may get certain laughs. But what I learned from Comedy Ghoul is regardless of that, I mean, we perform for strangers all the time. That's so part of it. Yeah. Why not? If you do a comedy special in L.A. or New York, your whole family isn't just flying out to come see you, you know, maybe 20 people, but there's going to be a theater of like, and as you experience, thousands. it'd be nice if perfect storm, the home club, everything works yeah, out. Yeah, but yeah. if you overthink it and you overplan it, the world might not give it to you. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't deserve it at the time. I, kn I knew that was God's way of being like, you know, you're not in a good space. Your ego is a little too much right now. So you, you need to chill. And then I'll give you something yeah. <laughs> when you deserve it. And it's it's interesting. So this new album, I wanted to record it in Canada because every time I go to this city. Yeah, you've done Ontario a few times yeah. since we've known each other. Yeah. Um, every time I go, I feel refreshed. It's like 
the funnest time that I have. And everyone's like, you know, and Canadians don't, they don't see it like we do. Sure. We're American and I'm black American. So they don't really get it. They're just like, Hey, we're just Canadian. You you know, we're happy. And I'm like, no, like you guys got to understand, like, I'm so happy to be here because nobody's trying to shoot me. There's no bullets. <laughs> there hasn't been gunfire since I stepped foot in here. <laughs> if, if worse comes to worse, you're going to stab me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, be worse. And, and it's, so I'm looking at all these different things of how it's peaceful and nature itself. I mean, like when you're in Toronto, Toronto is just like New York. Right. It's, it's just a city, big city, big city. There's skyscrapers like tons and all of people. that. It, and it's a beautiful, great city, but Canada itself, there's so much nature. And the weird thing about it, unless you go like completely West, nothing is really trying to kill you in nature. And that's what blew my mind. <laughs> I'm like, yo, if I walk down the street by the Allegheny river, a fucking snake might in my life, like a copperhead might really bite me. And then I'm like, oh shit, nobody's here to A lot save of people me. end up in the Mon. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like just floating down. Yeah. <laughs> and then you end up in McKeesport or some shit. <laughs> like, and then they don't know if it was a snake or someone shot you and dumped the body. It's just like. Southside antics. You know? Somebody just ended up somewhere. So yeah, it's one of those things where I felt so peaceful there. And I kind of, it's going to sound wild. I kind of understood why like certain artists go to certain places to record their albums. Sure. So, you know, for example, you have Marvin Gaye, he went to Hawaii and Drake went to Hawaii where Marvin went and Kanye went he's to Hawaii. He's built this Wyoming space. He and did. And now he, he's yeah. in Wyoming and he goes to Utah. You go to these places where you're inspired by the peace. And I didn't understand that because I thought that comedy was, I thought my life and comedy itself was just like built on chaos. Sure. And that's you all know, you've been around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So everyone like talks about like, you know, like the Joker, the new Joker movie and the Joker in general is a character of chaos. He, right. he understands that life is a joke. He understands that he is a sane person in a crazy world. And someone taught me there's only two types of comedians. There's a sane person in a crazy world. And there's a crazy person in the same world. Richard Pryor was a crazy person in the same world. Jerry Seinfeld is the same person in the crazy world. So when you break it down like that, it makes it easier for you to create your comedy. That's fair. Yeah. And uh, you'll, you'll come to places where you're both. Yeah, of course. I think at least the approach, Seinfeld's always going to be more observational about the world around exactly. him. And a prior's talking about his personal his experience. Personal demons. So you deal with that sort of balance there. Exactly. So I, I felt a lot of chaos. I felt like I didn't have any peace. You know what I mean? My life was kind of in a tough spot. And, um, at that time I got fired from radio and I felt like I was getting kicked while I was down too. like, you know, I, I had a, uh, no compete. So I couldn't like just hop back on, try a new and station hop or on anything. another oh, station geez. or even do interviews to promote the comedy album. Sure. So I, I literally had to wait and just hope that, yo, it was crazy. And then we you got know, you and we got you for the next year afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and my peoples that I, the people that I thought would have my back didn't really have my back. You know what I mean? Like I felt, I felt isolated. Sure. And I, I was, you know, building a family too. Um, you know, at the time and, uh, I didn't have, uh, my youngest yet. She was just pregnant with my youngest round of the recording of yeah. the first album. So, you know, going into the next year, um, I felt some some great things were going to come, but they didn't really. 
You know what I mean? Like, I think it's tough to really, depending on what your goal is as far as greatness goes, to expect it to come to you here in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And no matter what, at some point, you have to get out of this space to get to that next level, depending on what you're trying to build here. Exactly. Um, I, I think also, I think, you know what I learned about it, man? You really have to just break down your own life. Sure. Like when I go to Canada, I feel peaceful. And those people are laughing their ass off at the stuff I say. And the, the great thing about it is I don't have to feel restricted. I don't, nobody knows me there. I could say the crazy shit yeah. that I want. And not just that, but no matter like whether I was in Pittsburgh or I did it in Cleveland or I did it in North Carolina, there's a specific mindset in America right now. And I know a lot of people are going to be like, Oh, you're going to talking about the me too. No, I'm not talking about that stuff. What I'm talking about, there's a specific mindset in America right now where we're so segregated and now it's become more of a war of conservative versus liberal right. than it is just like race and religion. I've never, I don't know if maybe because I was so young and I wasn't really paying attention to politics, I've never felt this much tension on just democrat and republican and people treat it like it's sports teams now it's more important than the steelers and it's more important than anything else you can hate the patriots but you either hate the democrats or you hate the republicans and you can't we used to be people who could compromise and hear other people's ideas and that has really kind of gone away in this internet era yeah and that's what america was built on compromise that's the whole point of the declaration of independence i mean if we're talking america uh granted Slaves weren't <laughs> involved in that. Not but, counted as full people yet. You know, but um, if, if you look at it, it's just you have to find inner peace. So I had to go on a journey and I I started going on a journey because I had something happen in my previous relationship and it blew up and it was just such a heartbreaking situation. When it was you had fully dedicated yourself to being a father, to being a partner, yeah. to building a family here, yeah, and yeah. giving that as much attention as you could, obviously before and in the wake of losing the radio job. Yeah, um, I think the hard part was like going into 2017. I knew what I was doing because I put out, um, you know, Limbo Negro had like came out like the very end of December, but digitally 2017. Right. And then the following year, 2018, was Comedy Gold. And, you know, after I had my second child, I kind of slowed down a lot. And the only gigs that I would take, I gained a ton of weight. I was going through depression and stuff. And the only gigs I would really take were gigs that paid me a good chunk. Because I was like, I have to pay bills and take care of my family. And I didn't want to just leave my kids for a small amount. You know what I mean? It makes sense. So you got to still work the craft and obviously get the jokes where they need to be, but you need to, at some point, make a decision on what the priority is. Exactly. And if it's time with kids, you can't get that back five, 10 years down the road. That mic will be there. And if you are still working on projects, God bless. Yeah. And I was so busy, um, with Eris, I was so busy when Eris was born my first that when Channing was born, baby Thanos, I call her (laughs) when baby Thanos was born, I, was like, I don't want to miss as much. Sure. And I was just working and I really slowed down a lot. I did do the world series of comedy in Vegas to, and that ended up ironically helping me today and helping me even get into Canada. 
and opens up some doors. Absolutely. So, you know, we question a lot of things. We ask ourselves why these things happen to us, but we really have to trust in the grand design of what faith in life has for us. So when me and my uh, ex broke up and that whole thing blew up, I was already on a spiritual journey. Like comedy go happen. I was gone vegan. I just changed my whole life. I was losing weight. I started this process now where yeah. exercise is the priority. Yeah. Making and sure that you're in the gym, you're working towards your goals. Obviously the diet's been revolutionized. I think you had just, you were vegetarian briefly and then became yeah. vegan right around the time of our first chat. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it was one of those things where it was like a transition you have to build into. And, um, it's interesting, man, because I believe I'm a spiritual guy. So, uh, we've talked about that. Praise, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And spirituality is big for me. And at the time when that stuff was going on, I remember God coming to me. I was on my couch. And you hear like a lot of preachers say this stuff and things. And it's a legit thing. And I had a spiritual awakening. And they were like, God was like, yo, I'm just letting you know, you're about to go through the hardest moment in your life. Like I know I've, I've pushed you, you already go through all this hell and pushed you through. And right now is going to be even harder than all the things that you've dealt with. I want you to know this and I'm going to prepare you for it. That way, you know how to work through this. And from here on out, I will bless you as long as you follow my path. the truth. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, I felt like I felt crazy because as a kid, I, I was raised in the church. So as a kid, when preachers would be like, God came to me and gave me this message to give you, I never understood it, but I understood it in a way of like comedically being a conduit. Sure. You get what I'm saying? Like I don't have, I, I would just talked about it on last week's episode with Matt Parsons. Sometimes the jokes are the universes and they yeah. come to me. And if I'm not, fast enough to write them down then yeah. the universe will take them back yeah because yeah, yeah. they're not for you because then you see them on comedy central and like, you're like ah, i that had was, that. that was my premise was that like, was the joke and yeah. there's so much similar thinking but yeah the the real comedy is the universe is, it is is that stuff that can't be recreated it's the green room joking it's the hanging yeah. and when you get you're blessed enough that you've worked at comedy and you can take it to stage that's the best feeling yeah, in the world. It is. But that isn't something that I take lightly. I think that's what a lot of people just, they're like, oh, I can work at it. I can write it down. Yeah. But you have to craft it and cultivate it and take the time to yeah. figure out what the universe is giving you to build your hour, to build I, your act out. Absolutely. So that that situation I went through um, ended up blessing me because I needed I needed to see what was going on in my life. I needed to see that I needed to take care of myself. And, you know, you're so busy. I was so busy paying bills and taking care of the household and going grocery shopping and trying to make sure the kids are good. And then you're trying to make sure your partner's good. And you two are miserable because there's so much time being put into the kids and you're not putting into each other. And there was so many different things that I was realizing after the fact that when it was over, and what happened happened. I went, okay, all right, I get it, God. You're, you've been trying to tell me this for like the last year, and and if you don't take the leap of faith, you'll get pushed off the nest until you flutter your wings and you fly. 
and I was forced into flying and I'm glad I was because I, I learned so much. I, I see a difference and like building myself and building my spirituality and regaining my faith was the best thing that ever happened to me. So now comedically, everything has been amazing Good. within the past year. Um, from going back to Canada to doing these different shows to articles to working with Sinbad to uh, working on our new web series, me and T-Robe have. Sure. You know, we've been working on it for like the last year. And, you know, it takes a while for video to come out. Of course. So, and then working with like good friends and going into new directions of production and managing artists now and just getting my hands into so many things and then always being blessed with like some great opportunity or some greatness in some form. Uh, spending time with my kids is a lot easier now. And how old are the girls? You know, they're two and four. Nice. Okay. So it's, it's a lot easier now than the chaos that we had in the household before. Um, only because we weren't working as a unit. We, at that point kind of had been, dealing it, it was with some done. Stuff. So, you know, it's, it's hard on the kids because you're trying to take care of your kids. So, um, all these different things have been like great blessings into what I'm doing now and more shows. And, you know, I was able to get back into, and that's why I was so happy. And I took the time that I did where I only took certain shows is sure. because what people didn't understand for me, I've been doing comedy now 14 years. So people so, already know me. Yeah. It's not a thing of, Hey, nobody knows who you are. You're not going to get booked. You've got name recognition. You've been on radio. You've got a decade plus, almost a decade and a half now. Yeah. So it was enough to the point where if I said, Hey, I'm ready to come back or if someone offered me a gig or if I asked a question, you did, I would, there would the be gig. enough people that would be happy to help you out. Yeah. Get so, you back in the rhythm. Exactly. So like after that, everything just flowed great. The Good. numbers of the album life and just everything is going a lot better. And, um, you know, even the co-parenting is a lot better. It's there's, there's just a lot of changes in my life that I'm glad that I gave myself to God the way that I did. And I'm glad that that they came like he came to me the way he did. Yeah. And, um, and you know, self care is so important comedically. There's, there's a documentary it's called, uh, misery loves comedy. Oh, nice. Did you see it yet? I, it's uh, about like depression and comedy. Yeah, I yeah. haven't yet, but I've heard about it. It's, it's really good. And, uh, uh, what's, what's the guy's name that did the Colombo impression? Uh, Kevin Pollack. Sure. <laughs> Kevin, it's Kevin Pollack's project. Nice. And I know there were people complaining like, well, there's no black comics on here talking about misery. And it's funny that someone said that a lot of black comedians don't talk about their problems. Black people don't really talk I think about that's a general, their mental yeah. illness problems. And we've discussed that before. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of people listening may not know, but like the black community doesn't address these mental problems. health in they a don't. high level. It has, or, it's or becoming more normal. Yeah. Now it's starting to become better because those last generations are realizing, Hey, we were fucked up. We're like, like 10 years removed from kid Cuddy. Yeah. 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 Like <laughs> it's at least a younger generation feels comfortable to address to their address feelings. It, yeah. Talk about it. And you know, when I look back at like different things with my parents' generation, like, you know, our grandparents that were war vets had PTSD, but they just didn't know what it was back then. Yeah. You know, it was just they're alcoholics and abusive. And it's like, are these people really abusive alcoholics or is it that 
we need to dig deeper. And then like these guys are older now. They're in like their seventies and, and stuff. And now they're going to therapy and now the therapist is like, no, 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 you have PTSD. And they're like, I'm diagnosed now. And now they're trying to normalize their life after like 50 years of not dealing with not knowing. And so that's where we're at. Like today, well, it's, people, it's it's very difficult to be a human being, no matter yeah. what your sect in this life is, yeah, race, sure. gender, whatever. And a lot of people find different vices to deal with that instead of confronting their own personal demons. Yeah. So, you know, you've been without alcohol for nine, ten years now, almost. Yeah, it's going on eleven. That's yeah. impressive, man. Yeah, I yeah. I gave myself this year, um, and I only drank when I did international trips and my birthday weekend. Okay, but outside of that, no alcohol for three sixty five. Yeah, we had some conversations about that. Yeah, yeah. I'm proud of you. Man. I've cut back weed. I I dip my toe back in here and there, but it definitely does not have the same hold it does over my life or did throughout my 20s. So I'm trying to get to a place where I can manage that in a professional way. I'm proud of you, bro. I need to get exercise to be the priority. But since Rosh Hashanah, I've gotten my 10,000 steps every day. So I'm at least outside. I'm moving. I'm getting it, getting in. And as of like, I think December 20... 17 i was like 313 and i'm down in the 270s now wow man congrats getting getting moves i need to continue to push i want 239 that's my goal okay but how outside of uh faith and you know exercise what do you do when you are feeling stressed how do you manage like in those instances where anxiety picks up or depression picks up what's your kind of like day-to-day stress relief uh working out fitness yeah it's really fitness man uh, I do some crazy stuff. If you see, I'm sure you see some of the videos. Mm-hmm. My daughter was like, daddy, you're pulling that guy on a sled. Yeah. Like, you know, uh, I do crazy stuff. I do like sled pulls with like 600 pounds on it, like Batman type stuff. And, you know, with chains. And I, I do a lot of these workouts because with faith, and it's funny you mentioned that it's all the same. It's That's, all one. Yeah. It's just we have to put it into ourselves so you know where it's like your spirit your soul your mind your body a lot of times we forget the formula and everyone's like it's mental over physical it's like okay you're forgetting a whole part that really helps so because of me rebuilding my faith and the things that i've done i've been able to test my body in ways that push my limits in ways that i couldn't even do even in my peak sure like when i thought i was in my peak in my like 27 26, 27, I was ripped and all this stuff. I was so insecure and so internally hurt. Yeah. But I was pushing on with, like my grandma would say, keep a mustard seed of faith. I was pushing with that mustard seed, but I wasn't planting it, cultivating it, it, and and taking care of it. So now it's different because it's like, oh man, like I can push my limits and do crazy things but do it safely. Yeah. Do it without trying to impress somebody or do it without feeling like, oh, I got to be the macho. I got to be the alpha. I got to show people. No, I just do my own thing and people watch. You do it for you. Yeah. You're yeah. not doing so it for anybody. Else. That helps with stress. And, you know, I, I, <laughs> I got a fine ass woman right now. So that helps with stress too. Ah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so no, nah, uh, new woman crush Wednesday. I yeah. Saw. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's been going well, but you know, it's a lot, a lot of stress release is more so. And then spending time with my kids, I even bet. though they're yeah. stressful and I get anxious as hell cause I have anxiety, you know, 
they they can push those limits of anxiety, little kids. But it's it's a great thing, you know what I mean? Like being around them is just fun, taking them places, and then uh, you know they come to church with me too. Good. So yeah. trying to help them learn a foundation, and they ask questions and trying to get them to understand different things and just good to be involved. I know when people go through separations and divorces, it it can be challenging to co-parent Yeah, and at least to be able to have found a good balance with their mother is important. And for you to be able to get as much time as possible to be a big part of their lives makes such a huge difference. It was major, man. I, I had to fight for that time. So, you know, I, I made sure I wanted to make sure that, you know, I did get the time. So we, we went through court and all kind of different things that went along with that whole situation. But it's, you know, yeah, it's good to be in a good place now because, you know, there, you know, I, I had to explain, like, I'm not here to ruin you or no. or hate anything. Like, you know, we still got to raise these kids. I, and at the end of the day, we're going to be in each other's lives for the rest of our lives. Like yeah. rather we want like, yeah, everyone says till 18. No, you still got to go to college graduations. You got to go to weddings. You're going to bump into outs. this person for forever. You're, you're going to yeah. see them forever. So, you know, it's it's better to at least be on a, a good place where, you know, it, it's peaceful enough for the kids. But you're also making sure that you're taking care of the safety of the kids. And, right. Um, and making sure the kids are comfortable and they're in good places. You know, like I haven't brought anyone that I've dealt with since that relationship um, you know, it's been a year. I haven't brought anyone to the kids. I don't, I, no one's met the kids because smart the yeah. kids need to adjust. They're already adjusting with, with this and they're two and four. They need some consistency yeah, in dad and, exactly. and that dad time should be the priority. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you hear these horror stories of people being like, Oh man, you know, the, the, the boyfriend killed or the girlfriend killed. Yeah. And it's so unfortunate, but like, you know, my time goes to the kids. So, yeah, stress stress relief comes from different ways, but yeah. really the self care and the, the spiritual self care has been major for me. Like that that helped. I was already on a journey before, and I was finding different ways to do it spirituality, and then I decided to go back to the foundation that I was already built under. Yeah, but I consider myself Christian, but people who are Christian wouldn't consider me Christian. Sure. So it's, it's understandable, but I mean, and I'm sure in the church you've dealt with a lot of people, especially in this polarized political time that can operate from a place of using their faith as a weapon against people who disagree with them instead of looking for God in other people instead of looking for God in themselves. Yes. And that's, it's such a, what should be a simple concept that religion, faith is all just a tool for love. If yeah. you use it the right you way, use it the right way. Exactly. And it's been corrupted by a lot of different <laughs> sects over the course of history yes. uh, that can obviously turn a lot of people off to faith. Yes. And that's the, that's the thing right now that, you know, um, when you say you're Christian, people like freak out and they attack you automatically. Or if I talk about God or something like I, I feel like I get attacked and I'm just like, yo, I didn't even, I'm not trying to push this on you. And then I had to, I had to learn it's people's insecurities. It has nothing to do with you. Right. It's not that almost they hate everything you. is yeah, every, the it's other always, person. It ain't about you. Isn't it right? Yeah. It's always insecurity. So, um, that's why I always tell people you, you can't feed the ego. You got to feed the spirit and insecurity and the ego they feed each other and, and they're just like, Hey, here, here you go. 
And now you have a cycle of bad things that just keep happening over and yeah. over because you don't stop the cycle because you're not realizing you're feeding your ego. You're not feeding your spirit. So a lot of times when people like get mad, I'm just like, oh, okay, it's okay. Like I did a show and I talked about being sober during the show and this drunk dude in the audience goes, yo, fuck you. And I go, oh, wow, dude, really? He's like, yeah, you insecure piece of shit. Don't force your... Because you can't handle your fucking liquor. Don't force it on me. And I'm like, I'm like, okay, he's obviously battling inner demons. I don't even need to, like, I talked a little shit, clowned about it. Right. But I left him alone. I said, he got some issues and he needs to face his issues because he's already fucked up at this show. (laughs) And it's the same way. Like when you, when you talk about God, like instantly people attack and, you know, remember when Chris Pratt did that? At the award show, yeah. I don't even remember if it was like the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but he does an award show and he's like, you know, if anybody wants to give themselves to Christ and all this stuff, and then you go on Twitter and everyone's like, fuck you, Star Lord, you, you fucking kill Peter Parker. Like, yo, it's insane, like, how much you, you get attacked for it. You yeah. know what I mean? It's nobody's looking at it like, okay, that's just his faith. You know what I mean? Like, when we attack Islam, we attack Islam on a political. We don't look at it as a religion. We don't look at it as a religious point. We look at it as like those animals, those religious animals. They're political, but we don't look at it as a religion of peace. Right. Because we see so much evil with it. And then it's the same with like the Catholic church and these kids that are being molested. And now they're finally really cracking down on these. Trying to improve that the, terrible the, situation. The whole situation. Years and years now. And then, you know, you and this goes back to even the Crusades. You know, the church was telling these soldiers, hey, you will be annulled of all your sins. Just go out and kill these Muslims for us. And th- these, the, you know, these people really thought, okay, we're, we, we're going to go do this for the Holy Land. And they weren't thinking, yo, it literally says thou shall not kill and we're out here killing. Rule one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, that's the first in the commandment. And it's like, nobody's really breaking these, these things down because everything keeps us separated. So like now the new thing is Christianity being heavily linked to being conservative and in America, at least the evangelical sect of the religious group. Yeah. When I was growing up, I, I, I was raised in the church. I used to usher in church and everything. And I went to a Christian school. And when we go to that school, we would sing gospel. We'd do all these things. I did plays and stuff. I remember getting my ass whooped once in the name of God because <laughs> I was a kid and I, I was on this dude and this dude was sitting on me and then he like started humping me. We we're kids. And I, I thought it was weird. So I was like, oh man, you're gay. He's like, what? What'd you say about me? So he's from the project. So we're in Garfield. <laughs> And this is Garfield before yoga mats and vegan food. <laughs> this is when you could get shot for wearing blue. You know what I mean? So you couldn't say Jesus Christ. You had to say Jesus Bryce. <laughs> like it was like that. So we're, we're sitting there and, and he, he puts up his hands and we went to the same church. And he, I'm like, I don't want to fight you. We're all God's children. I literally said that and he jabbed me in my face. And every time he punches me, I come back with like a new rebuttal. Like, like other cheek. Jesus <laughs> loves you. Bow. Do you know he died on the cross for you? Bow. And then after I get my ass whooped, one of this kid rides up on a bike. They go, why didn't you fight him? 
And then it was like all these kids gathered around me and it was like you my got moment to, to your... preach. <laughs> and he was like, yo, you crazy. I'm leaving you alone. And everyone's like, why didn't you fight him? And I was like, in the eyes of God, we are all God's children. You know, because I'm doing what the church taught me. And this dude on a bike comes up to me and he's like, yo, is you a Jew? I said, what? He said, is you a Jew? I said, I don't think so. I'm Christian. He said, oh, well, if you ain't a Jew, you ain't one of God's children. And he rides his bike into the darkness. <laughs> and I was like, well, we are the chosen people. Yeah. So I was confused. You we know? got an extra special seat next to the Lord. Right. With the so. hem of his garment right up, right up close. That's where they keep us. That's where they keep the Jewish. You know, it was so funny. I was just, I felt some type of way. I was like, damn. So, but I've, I've been told that I'm going to hell no matter what. Yeah. Because I'm Jewish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get asked what I think of Kanye's record a lot. Yeah. And I go, yeah, I think it's great, but I like gospel music. Yeah. I'm, it's also not my faith, so maybe you don't <laughs> care what I think at the end of the day. Yo, I love the album. I mean, it's it's a cool Christian album. It's the, not his best. I don't need to be a, yeah. like one of the people online claiming it's going to be my all-time favorite. But every Kanye record means there's more Kanye music. I'm not mad at that. Yeah. I'm glad to see that he's continuing to progress as a human being and he's on yes. his own trajectory uh i think use this gospel's great yeah. um on god or whatever the third track is is oh great god, Salah, yeah good. there's some um, good there's some, i like the first track yeah um most people don't like uh, uh on Su- what's that close church sunday. on sunday yeah yeah I, I like it closed on sunday um the song with eclipse is decent but here's yeah the that's thing. the one use this gospel i like that yeah a lot. yeah my bad that's the one. i like that a lot and uh uh, the Kenny storm, G at the, the storm end, yeah. joint uh, with uh, with uh, what's his name? Um, what's the money? Um, oh, Ty Dollar Sir. Yes, but you know, the interesting thing about that is, as an artist, we're artists. If I say, "Yo, Garrett, I need you to do thirty minutes clean in a church right now," how hard is that going to be for you? Difficult. I'm going to run through my list of jokes. I'm going to go, well, I probably could clean that one up and get away with it. Right. Maybe this one. It's like, if they need it to be G rated, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing a bunch of shows because, you know, I, I took the bookings. I, I wanted to make some money. And, you know, comedy's weird. Entertainment's weird. You can make a decision of, do you want to get work or do you want to get popularity? Yeah, you to, can stay busy. Yeah. To what get, does it mean? To keep work. And uh, more so staying busy and in, in the eyes of the people will help you more. But if you need the money, you got to take certain bookings. I was doing all these Catholic churches, right? And I'm not even Catholic. And it, it these Catholic Lutheran churches, like I was just going and it was clean. And when I look at Kanye's album, it's so difficult to go from a guy who literally was talking about banging Kim Kardashian and, and saying like explicitly the nasty stuff he's going to do to her and to these different women. And then you go, you have kids and I'm going to tell you right now, if anyone's listening and you have a daughter, once you have kids, especially daughters, it kind of changes your view on women or how you change, like how you treat women overall. Like first, for a good amount of people, if you're a good person, like if you're a sociopath, you're going to continue to be a piece of shit. Yeah. But But it, (laughs) it sure should shake you into being a better man. Yeah, and yeah. it doesn't always. I and that's mean, true. Most people. Well, look at knows? the Me Too moment. There's a, so. a lot of bad people out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We we know. Yeah, yeah so. a lot of bad people everywhere. Yeah, so, you know, uh, it, it's, it, it should 
change you, but it doesn't yeah. for everyone. But if you if you have a good heart, it does. So when I looked at the Kanye album, I'm looking at this album like this is a dude who went from doing all this crazy shit, watch the throne, to having to do clean and give itself to God. So if you listen to Yandi, the leaked version, you hear the difference because there's a couple tracks he actually used for uh, Jesus is King. Okay. But they're completely clean now. Sure. So what he was trying to do, which is a lot of things that we try to do as people, right? We try to find ways around spirituality to get to spirituality instead of going through it. So we're like, yo, I can't get in here. I can't get in, but there's a door right there. The door is waiting for you. Yeah. It's literally open at all times to you. You just have to make the decision. The problem is a lot of people don't want to be accountable for themselves. And so they force these insecurities and these traumas and we blame all these different things. I've been through some of the craziest shit in my life in, in anyone's life. But I knew that I had to be accountable and, and handle what I could handle. I had to uh, take in and apologize to myself for the things that I did. Right. And I had to forgive myself for a lot of those things because sometimes you're not going to get the answer that you want asking for forgiveness from somebody. Sometimes you have to forgive yourself. Correct. Yeah. And with that being said, you see that in Kanye. If you actually been through a spiritual awakening and you've been through these different things, you see a difference. Other people are like, oh, it's hypocritical or this. And I'm like, yo, that just goes back to people just attacking you becoming a better person. He'll never be Christian enough for some people. Exactly. He'll never be this enough for other people. And, and no matter, he'll never be the old Kanye for the stands. Exactly. Yeah. But the thing is, like, Garrett, you know this. If you try to better your life, people hate sure. to see you doing better because it makes them feel worse about themselves. Yeah. Because it ends. You so, turn down a drink. Oh, well, what does that say about me? I'm having a yeah, few. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm, oh, oh you, you just going to let me drink alone? How many times have we heard that? Like, well, and how do how much do we enable each other? Oh, I'm gonna cheat on my diet. Let's order a round of appetizers, and then it's like, oh, okay. Well, if you're not okay, I guess I'll just eat this all. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's we lean on each other to help alleviate yeah. expecting more out of ourselves. Of course. Yeah, that's you, fair. You know, I mean, outside of Kanye's politics or whatever, we could agree to disagree. And and the thing is, what I notice is, it kind of reminds me of uh like Michael Jackson and Prince. Like I remember with those guys, when they were coming out and starting to say like the truth about the world, some incendiary things. That yeah. Like, people. like the, the evil is real and the devil lives in LA and that it like all these different things that Prince was saying, he was given hints. Michael Jackson was given hints. You're crazy. Yeah. They'll Instantly. immediately try to dismiss you. They, they did, did the same thing you. to Chappelle. Chappelle, another yeah. one. Everyone forgets that because he's on top of the world right now. Yeah. But when this dude was running and he was doing secret shows and you go and find old clips on YouTube and he's talking about secret stuff that's going on and the people that run the world and the corporations and how evil they are and how the media will twist this to benefit themselves and make money. Nobody looks at it. So I shared a couple of clips of Kanye and Kanye was like wilding out. And I just thought it was funny because I just like how he talks. He's just like so passionate Absolutely. about the shit he says. And I get it. But I share those clips and I watch the full interview and I go, wait a minute. 
I'm part of the problem. I just shared these clips of this dude. Expecting that, a reaction from people. Yeah, well, no, I shared it because I just thought it was funny. And I knew that people in, but the, the reactions I was getting was people's like, oh, he's off his rocker. And then I was like, yo, I shared this not even thinking that. I just thought it was funny. Yeah. Just because I'm a comedian and there's things that I just think is funny as a super Kanye fan. And then I watched the full interview. I'm like, yo, there were so many valid points before this. And especially as somebody who's a man of God, I see it. I get it. I understand. But what's happening is we share these clips just like Chappelle when Chappelle was crazy. Remember the whole Turned situation? Turned down $50 million. And- yeah. And remember when he had that issue where the guy was heckling him and he didn't want to do the specific jokes? And yes. Yeah. yeah. Like, oddball oh, back like yeah. three, four or five years ago. Yep. And they yeah. were like, oh, you need to be doing these jokes. And he was like, I don't want to do the, I don't want to do Rick James. I don't. People shared those clips and the internet made him crazy. And that's really, that was one of the big like kickoffs to what you see now with him and a lot of other comedians using these like zip bags. Yeah. So you can't tape anything. So that way, that way I mean, really since yourself. Hannibal took down Cosby, that's really become the yeah, big thing is like, let's thing. not tape anybody while they're performing. Yeah. Cause someone just confronted Harvey Weinstein at a variety show. Yeah. And uh, there, I didn't find any footage of it. And it goes back to that whole thing. Like people are trying to prevent you from doing it unless it benefits them. I saw footage of the woman on stage who, okay, who was kind of booed a little bit. And then I think they threw either her or one of her friends out for yelling at Harvey and his okay. table. Yeah. Someone rolled, rolled up on his table. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy because I was looking at the, the Kanye interviews and I'm like this dude. So right now his big thing is he's fighting against pornography and everyone's making fun of him for it. And he's telling people, well, he directed the, the porn hub awards a year ago. Yeah, yeah. So it's a new thing in his life. So, you know, instead of people being like, Oh, well maybe he needs help. Nobody's thinking of like, this is an addiction. Yeah. And I can tell you right now, I'm somebody who we have it on our phones. Like remember when we were kids, it was dial up. And it took forever for a five second Single clip image. just to yeah. load. Or and a you're gift. Like, yeah, yeah, five seconds. You were excited. And then you. Because I downloads. Yeah. And it would take Lime like five days yeah. to get like Booty Talk 33. Right. But it was like, you was waiting. It was like, I was downloading that and a DMX video. And I was like, one of these got to go. And you're hitting the queue and you're like, X. You're going to have to go Sorry, until but. like, you know, but. Stop. Yeah, it's like a 30 minute video versus X's four minute party up. With Goku, <laughs> I don't think <laughs> I don't think we're the creators of AMV, our generation. No. Like, but it's you know it, it's one of those things where I look at it and it, it's rough. It, it's rough out here for people who want change in their lives. Sure, because a lot of people don't want you to change. They don't want you to do great. But there's some people that do, and I think that's why I wanted. That's the big reason why I was like, yo, I need to go to Canada and record this. I feel like that's what God wants me to do. But in a way, I feel like this is my way of spiritually and comedically, like I've grown and this is the heaven part of my Can life. Can rise above all of that noise down here. Yeah. Like it's like I manifested everything that I asked for. So like maybe I manifested that hell when I wanted Limbo Negro. Maybe I manifested that purgatory sure. with Harmony Go. And now the manifestation of heaven, because my goal was by the time I do my third album, I want my life to be on such a good streak that that's when everything starts kicking in where people are like, yo, this dude just came out of nowhere. And it's like, no, he's been knowing this for years. It's just now he's starting to get into 
a better place. So. Was the impetus to do the trilogy getting let go at the radio station? Was that when kind of the seeds started to be sown? Or was this something you had kind of mindset after doing comedy five plus six, seven years at that point? I already had already had the mindset ready for it. I wanted to do the comedy album regardless. I think the whole trilogy idea came from inspiration from like my favorite hip hop artists. Okay. You know, like Kendrick and J. Cole and Kanye and reading Dante Alighieri's in uh, uh, Divine Comedy. Because um, the Divine Comedy has all three, but Inferno is the one that's the most popular. Yeah. And the reason Inferno is popular is because if you think about hell, hell is something that we go through. Hell is our own hell. It's our internal Personal, demons, right? Yeah. So if you if you go to hell today, what do you think you would go to hell for? Well, we don't have hell, but... Oh, yeah, of course. I, uh, <laughs> it's like, I'm going to be right <laughs> yeah, around Yeah, he's the like, I'm going to be here chilling. I'm at the hem of his garment. I get the fee pass. <laughs> no, um, I think being separated from love, being unable to connect with other human beings is hell. Um, okay. And you can create that yourself here by oh, yeah, isolating sure. yourself or just living in the troll spaces of the internet, yeah. being deep in that Reddit nonsense and yelling at each other. Yeah. And that you can make your life hell without any help. You could. <laughs> yeah. You could. And and that's... And I think that's unfortunately how a lot of people live here it, on Earth. It is. Um, and, and like, you know, I always ask myself, what levels of hell would I go to? And, you know, that's where the idea came from. Sure. But you know you're right. You're right. You can create it here. But we can also create heaven on earth, and that I think is what so many people. We talk about using faith as a weapon. So many people are just using it as afterlife insurance for the, yeah. the hope that I'll get to be in the clouds with the big guy exactly. and hanging up there with the Holy Spirit. But instead, if you just focus on creating heaven in your relationships, in the people, in bringing joy to human beings, which is all comedy is, yeah. that that can be heaven on earth. And that feeling on stage can be that for you. That spending time with your daughters can be that for you. Absolutely. And not expecting God to give you anything beyond what he's already done for you can yeah. be enough. Absolutely. And and it's already, you're already going to get an overflow abundance. Mm-hmm. Regardless, you know, I know a lot of people are going to be listening to this and be like, oh, I got real spirit. It, you know, my thing is I'm not, I've never tried to force religion on anyone. Sure. If, if you don't believe in God, that's okay. Like, I'm not going to, it's not, it's not my. You don't take it personally. No, I don't. <laughs> and I think that's the thing with insecurities. People take things personally because yeah. they're personally affected by it. So, you know, when I look at like the Kanye thing, I'm like, yo, God bless this dude. This is, this is beautiful that we're getting to see an artist this big go through changes. Everyone's done it. Bob Dylan's done it. Prince has done it. Yeah. Um, you know, all these different artists have gone through these different changes. Mace, what Mace, the rapper was a preacher. Like, welcome back. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so we go through these, um, movements in our lives and we deserve to. And think, how boring would it be if you put out the same album year after year? I know that people are disappointed sometimes when it's <laughs> not college dropout anymore, when yeah, it's not yeah, yeah. Bar dark twisted fantasy. But he's a human being. He's not who he was when he was in his 20s. He's, yeah. he's growing. He's changing. He's a dad. He's got other stuff going on. And same thing coming up with a trilogy, new comedy new bits new structure to yeah. how the story of afro bebop is going to be different than what limbo negro was yeah absolutely and and you know the the recording and the structure and everything set up for it is way better too and you just have to live life you know the thing is what i thought was i didn't deserve to be happy like i literally lived my life depression was so bad that 
I had suicide attempts. I tried to kill myself in many ways. And, um, you know, I, 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 I own firearms now, but I feel comfortable owning them. Not now. being in that mental space because before I don't think I would have been in a good spot and, you know, who knows what would have happened sure. to not just myself, but to people, because you just don't know. Like you see these people that break all the time, the whole Joker movie, everyone's like, oh, yeah, no. it's, it's a guy who broke and that, you know, the way they set up the film is cool, but it's, um, and I'm a comic geek and I like, I, know the you are, yeah. the I liked the movie. It was I loved good. it, but it's just, that's what we go through. Sometimes we really tell ourselves we don't deserve to be happy. We don't deserve yeah. And what I learned is there's a difference between happiness and joy. Happiness is temporary and joy is eternal. That's something that's forever. And we're searching for joy. We're always like trying to find happiness, but we get these spurts of it, right? If I, if I handed you $300 right now, I said, yo, have a good day. That's happiness, right? It feels good go, for, for now. Yeah. You're gonna but go it's not life changing. It yeah. yeah. And then maybe it could be life changing. If you put it in the right direction, you invest it the right way. Maybe, maybe you were able to pay two bills with it. Or right. Something. And then and keep then the lights on, keep out, the heat on. Sure. You know? um, but that's, that's how we, you know, we, we look at it and especially with comedians, I want more comedians to do self care and self healing. Like I'm tired of seeing people kill themselves, man. Mental like mental health issues. If and, they're not killing themselves, they're overdosing, right? You know, even Mac Miller, rest in peace to him. He was such a good kid. And I remember the first time I met Mac was he was, he had to be like 15, 14, 15 Pittsburgh hip hop awards. I won a comedian of the year. It was the first time they ever did a category. Oh, nice. And it was at, uh, it used to be the Hilton, but it's now a, another big hotel. And I did this speech and I was all excited and everyone was excited for me and the person I was against was a piece of shit. So I was glad I beat him. We talked that story on the last episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That's right. So <laughs> Mac Miller comes up. He goes, oh, man, congrats, yo. And he's just the happiest kid. And he hands me his mixtape. It's him and Beatty's mixtape. And they used to have a, a a duo. They were a duo before oh, very Mac cool. went yeah. solo. And then so I, I run into Mac again. And th this little kid was everywhere. He was the sweetest kid. He was like, you'd be in a club. And I was... 21 and I'm, I'm allowed in this club and here comes this 15 year old 16 year old Mac Miller talking about hey what's going on guys I'm like why are you how are how you here you get in here yeah. you know and he's just cheesing and and he was just like the smallest like cool guy and then we we meet again and we're doing a show at Job Corps and it's with a Commonwealth family who were friends of mine and they had this group and they asked Mac to do the show and Mac was like, hey, I don't have my hype man with me. Do you mind going on stage with me? <laughs> and I go, all right. And I'm like the worst hype man because I didn't know the lyrics at the time. So I'm just like, you know, we, we like kind of just. Yeah, just vibing. And then, uh, I end up opening uh, one of his shows uh, for one of his mixtape releases. Nice. And he was just such a nice guy. And I remember uh, we were joking one day and we're in the basement of this one club. And he comes over and I go, what's going on? And I was like, congrats on everything. And he daps me up uh, and we're fucking around. He's like, what's your name? I'm like, uh, Dave Chappelle. He goes, John Mayer. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, you know, it, it's crazy to see that guy go from that to the demons that he fought. Yeah. And, you know, I, I know a lot. I know a lot of his close friends and stuff. And it's just like at some point we have to make sure we're not enabling each other. 
Right. And that's what so many people do, even if it's on accident. Like you think if you say something, it's going to be a problem. You don't want to upset anybody. You don't want to rock the boat. But if you care about somebody, if you love them, if you see that they're struggling, it's it's the right thing to do to lend a hand in some way yeah. to be able to speak some truth to that power. You have to you have to say something. And it's so interesting seeing what he did because he was such a great artist. He was a great guy. He was so fun. And um, I remember just looking at like the situation when he overdosed. And even though he was sold bad drugs, it's he was rapping about it. Yeah. He was telling us, yo, I need help. Someone help me, help me, help me, help me. But the problem is, even though we cry for help, my problem in especially in like my relationships with people, especially my last relationship, I was asking my partner to love me the way I couldn't love myself. And that's what he was doing in his music. And that's what these uh, us comedians are doing on our sure. on stage. We're, we're asking people to love us the way that we don't love ourselves, hoping to find that love that we're looking for, right? Whatever that missing piece is inside it, you. Exactly. So we're all, we're all searching for unconditional love. That's right? just like nature. We're, we're different. Humans are different. They're most like a, a praying mantis. When, when dude gets done having sex, she cuts his head off. Done. A black widow. Done. Mosquitoes. Done. Like, you know, throughout history, you, you you're see not needed things. anymore, man. Yeah. You're done. Unless you align and you got like 30 other all chicks the- with you and you're like, yo, go hunt. Like that's it. But it's, it's different. So because we're looking for unconditional love, we don't realize that the that self-love and healing our spirit is the answer to unconditional love. Like my daughters love me like no one else will. That's an unconditional love I've always searched for in my whole life. But there's asking your partner to love you a certain way that you don't love yourself and you're just being toxic and you're down and out and you're both being toxic. It's not going to help. Somebody has to do something. Yeah. And the best thing to do in life is lead by example, because when people see you doing great and you glowing, yeah, you're going to have people that, that get mad and are jealous, but there's going to be so many fucking people who are like, yo, look at the change on that. Yeah. Why? How? It's the whole, like the, this conversation is, you know, there were questions you asked me like, yo, what do you do? And what it's, we lead by example and we show people, I show people through faith. Yo, if this is what you want, I'll help you out. We've had conversations, Absolutely, you know, there's yeah. things where like, you know, we were in a group where you saw like some of the stuff that my homies was posting that they're going through. I had my boy look out to me. He's like, yo, how are you getting through all this? How did you, I'm like, dude, you got to take care of yourself. It comes first. We have to get to a point where we, where we have that love. And that love is spread throughout. Like we can't spread that love until you're taking care of you. You have been listening to unplanned comedy pods, a podcast collection.